0: How's it going? This is Rob Turley with Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast, and I have a very special guest here, Roderick Jefferson, who is a sales sage. Remember that term, sales sage. This guy is a legend. And he is one of the first people to actually coin the term sales enablement. So sales salesenablement.o, uh, 3.0 is what he's all about. And I'm all about this guy, too. He's got some really fantastic ideas. Um, and I'm excited that you're here, Roderick. Please uh, introduce yourself.
1: First of all, man, I am absolutely honored to be here. And I've been looking forward to this one all day. Meaning, mean, you get a chance to chat. So uh-huh. <laughs> let's make it happen. Let's dance, right? So a little bit about me really quickly. Um, and I always start this way. I'm a sales guy. I'm not a trainer by trade. I started out as a BDR, carried a bag there then got promoted to AE, went to President's Club a couple of times, did all that fun stuff, got promoted to sales leader and actually turned it down. And everyone thought I was crazy. But when I look back on it, it was all about the fact that I enjoyed the process of selling way more than I did taking down big deals. So as any good salesperson, what I did was talk myself into a new role, which was regional trainer at the time with my RVP and said, what if I could take what got me to President's Club and spread it out across the region? He said, you got a new job. And I'm like, cool. So did that for a while, and I have been incredibly blessed over the last 20 years to be able to run enablement at some of the most incredible companies on the planet. Siebel Systems, Network Appliance, eBay, HP, Oracle, Salesforce, and Marketo. A couple of those are actually going to kick in one day. I'm counting on the stock doing a low something, <laughs> at least. And then about three years ago, I decided to start my own consulting. So Roderick Jefferson and Associates, we focus on sales coaching and sales enablement as well as some keynote speaking and things of that sort. And the reason I did it is I was working with all of these SMB mid-market level companies and realized that if I asked 10 people what sales enablement was, I got 12 answers, which really frustrated me considering you know being the guy that created that nomenclature of sales enablement. I was like, we got to get some consistency. Now, fast forward, we actually started the Sales Enablement Society. And the goal there was actually to do for sales enablement what PMI did for project management consistent nomenclature, consistent templates, And somehow along the way, it's gone off the rails. And so it's time to kind of pull that thing back in and say, there's enough uh, theorists out there. And let's get it back in the hands of the practitioners, people that actually know what the hell we're doing with and enablement and go out and make this thing an honorable profession again.
0: I, I could not agree more because, I mean, sale, the, the term salesperson has gone in the toilet. People run from salespeople. Salespeople yeah. are supposed to be there to help you, and it's gotten too into the weeds where it's all about numbers, so it's contact anybody and everybody, spam everybody because of all this yeah. bullshit that's going on, but not just that. It's about making the sale because companies are looking at shit and too much of a short-term perspective. We need money now. We need sales now. Where are the numbers? How can we're not pulling in more? When that's not the issue, you should be nurturing these people, and you should be bringing them. You should be selling for six months from now, for twelve months from now, for eighteen months from now, because those are the relationships that are really going to matter. Unless, of course, you're a transactional company with low value, you know, right. transaction. If, but if you're a you know
1: volume velocity sell, then you better go sell now
0: right right exactly so it's it's too focused on the short term and what that's doing is that it's making salespeople forceful or they're selling people who are not qualified to sell to where they've gone over the pain you know they've tried to identify the pain and they don't actually have a product that can ease that pain but the person's still willing to buy because they don't know what they need to improve so you have not done your job of supplying the value that it takes to have them understand that it's not the best choice but that's really screwing over the rest of the company because you're going to have Uh, You're going to have a high churn rate, and you're going to have more issues with customer success. They'll never be happy. It causes so many different problems, all because you were trying to either make the quota, and quotas should be completely wiped off the face of this planet, by the way, but you were trying to make the quota, or you were trying to um, just fatten your paycheck with commission because that's all you're really working for, right?
1: You know, and, and I blame my profession of sales enablement a lot for that, along with sales leaders, and here's why we teach people how to give presentations, but we never actually teach them how to have conversations. We teach them to go out and do discovery and qualification, but no one ever really tells you what that means or what the end goal is other than I'm trying to put a net new logo up on the wall. And it's not about that. right? And more importantly, we here's how I came up with self-enablement. I believe that you train animals and you enable people. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, When my sales leader said, hey, we don't have folks that can actually do disco and qual well, so we're not being able to close deals and our pipeline's lagging. What did they say? Throw training at it. Then they come back and say, we don't know how to do discovering qualifications, so we're winding up dropping our shorts and giving away discounts. Well, let's throw training at it. Or we don't have sales coaches and sales leaders. We actually have sales managers, and no one's teaching those rock stars who get promoted to sales leader how to actually be a leader. So they wind up trying to micromanage and manage the team the same way they did their patch. Oh, what do you do? You throw training at it. And I was like, no, we don't need more training. What we need to do is come up with um, how we can enable these people. And i went, oh, shit. You train animals, you enable people. And there is literally the genesis of sales enablement. And it's grown into a whole different world that I could never even think in my wildest dreams it would turn into
0: yeah i mean seriously uh it's it's been ridiculous where it's headed and i love what you said about uh the manager turning into the leader they're not trained to actually be a leader a manager manages people they make sure things Absolutely. get executed and things are done quotas are met and just menial tasks have been uh, up to snuff with what is expected of that team a leader leads and Absolutely. they know when to step down and follow to help bring people up the issue with a lot of sales leadership is that it was a top performer they put them into a management position and all they're trying to do is outclose everybody else so nobody takes their job and so that they're overperforming uh, compare, in comparison. it's, it's Or more- they're, they're
1: trying to look like they're the super closer and they're trying to show the new kid, this is how you're do- you do it. And that's why we have so many sales managers and so few coaches and leaders. The old school salty dogs are like, this is how you're supposed to do it. And you know as well as I do, what's important to my leader is imperative to me. And just like when we were kids, we didn't watch what our parents said. We watched what they did. The same thing happens in the sales world. And you wonder why we've got these folks that are out here micromanaging, you've got high churn and turnover. It's because you're doing the same shit to them that was done to you. And oh, by the way, the sellers now doesn't play that well. The other thing that they're doing is, look, when I was coming up the ranks in sales, you could put a 30 minute voiceover PowerPoint and I'd sit there and watch, it. not gonna happen. So I've come up with something I call knowledge bites. You will listen to five, six minute podcasts but you're not going to watch a 30 minute anything. One, you're not going to be chained to your desk or to your phone. And second, if I'm going out and about pre COVID, I'm going to the gym, if I'm moving around or if I'm just kicking back, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Right. And especially if it's a knowledge bite about that one subject that I need some help on or that I've been having a problem with or that I'm interested in, I'm going to dig into that, but I'm not going to sit for 30 minutes.
0: It's true. It's true. I mean, uh, I, that kind of pours over into sales. You know, the worst thing, the thing that I hate more than anything is when I get into a meeting and they just throw up their screen share and they put a presentation of like, okay, here's the agenda. This is how it's going to go. Excuse me. Who's buying from who right now? Exactly. You're telling me how it's going to go. How about if you ask
1: me some questions to figure I want out what matters to buy
0: The way I want to buy, which is different from any way that anybody else has bought or it's similar to someone else, but not anything that you want. Your agenda it, it, there's there, there should be no agendas. It's not an agenda. What it is is that there's specific points, milestones of the conversation of where you want it to be. So it's not based off of goal setting. Goal setting is stupid because goals should be something that are absolutely ridiculous and out there. Yet yeah, th- these are objectives. These are milestones. Yeah. I like to call yeah. it. So, um, like good good friend of mine, Marcus Kauke I awesome love Marcus, sales guy. Yeah. So yeah, so I I talk to him like literally every day. Absolutely lifestyle. He says all the time it should be behavioral based uh object- objectives. That's where you want to be. So you and want that- to improve behaviors to get there. So what do you have to do to get this person to start moving the way that you need them to, to persuade them or to help them through the process so that you can get them in a place where they are open to talking about their issues, listening and then putting it back out there so that it is in the order in which they told you, it's touching all of the points and it's listening to them and giving them a response with a proposed solution so that they can see what it is that you could do for them and so that Absolutely. you can discover what you can do for them or how you need to speak to them to give them the idea and the objective
1: of bringing them an ultimate value yep. there's a novel idea listen learn then lead instead of trying to jump in right and I think there's, there's. I love my threes, so I'll give you three things I think that can help fix this problem. First and foremost, sales enablement practitioners, start teaching people how to actually have conversations and not give presentations that all show up and throw up that you were talking about. Secondly, show me, tell. Exactly. Secondly, we've done a, a fairly, I'd say we've done a very good job uh, of getting people through, disco- through discovery and qualification and understanding what the pain is, or in some cases, highlighting that pain. But we've stopped short of what's really important. Now that you've diagnosed the pain, you've gotta give them a solution. And your solution is literally not a product. It's literally the experience of being able to work with you. And that solution comes in three ways. It's I, either-
0: <laughs> I, I, Oh my God, thank you, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it comes in three ways. Either it's Tylenol, it's Vicodin, or it's amputation or extraction. But you gotta to get to that point and you take them right there and go, oh my God, I've got a terrible toothache. Okay, great, we know you have a toothache. Are you gonna tell me how to get rid of this? Is it a shot? Is it an aspirin? Or are you gonna to have to yank this thing out? That's where we stop short as salespeople because we're afraid to take that next step to say, Um, that's maybe an unpopular conversation. The hell with that. They're looking at you to lead. So you've done your listen, you've done your learn, you got to hit that third L is lead, and you got to get them to that next level. The third thing that we've got to start doing is teaching people to help instead of sell. Yeah, I know we all have sales in our title, and, and it keeps the lights on, right? But at the same time, if I'm looking at helping you, this means one thing. It means the hell with my sales process, my sales stages, my sales methodology, my sales motion, throw them out of the window. Go back and revert to the one thing that matters, the buyer's journey. What does their buyer journey look like? Who's included in it? What is the incentive to drive buying? And then, where can I fit all those other sales motions into the buyer's journey? When you flip that thing, your close rate will go through the roof.
0: Yep, yep. And it's like you're saying that that it, it is absolutely experiential. It's all experiential, Experiential sales are it. I mean, why do you think that the BDC companies hit it off so well with the people that are in there? You know. Think 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 about this. When you walk into an Apple Store, you feel the difference. So it's an do experience. Do you need help? You sit down across from the person at the table. They ask you about how is this uh, how is this going for you? Like, okay, what do you need? So they listen to you and then they say, well, what do you need that for? What are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Um, so if you're doing that, well, you're going to need something like this, and I would recommend this, this, and this, and that's why this would be good for you. So it's a whole experience. So you're learning what you need when you don't have all the information on knowing there what you need is. about it. When you buy a new piece of technology, do you know what the hell it does half the time? And when I say you, I mean ninety-five percent of people have no idea what's actually going on with it or what they really need. That yeah. consultation is literally why you
1: go there. And here's why: Apple does not sell products. Apple does not sell solutions. Apple sells the experience of working with them because they listen to you and they go, oh, okay, we've heard this before. Now, before we go and talk about these things, and they don't say this product, these things, help me understand where your level is of experience with this. Are you a beginner? Are you at the midpoint? Or would you consider yourself an expert? What have they done? One, they've given you three options. But more importantly, what they've said is, help me understand how to talk to you in your language. And then they go into explaining what's going on They get you to a point and what do they do? Experiential. Here, why don't you touch this and feel this for yourself so you can see how much this thing weighs. If it's going to be too big for your hand, if it's too awkward for you, or if it's like the three little bears, it's just right for you. That's, That's where right. Apple is making a killing right now. They're not yeah, selling I, love,
0: products. I love that too, man. It's just like, you know, for example, in my company's meeting links, there is a down to select what is your level of technical ability. Love it. It's so we know how to talk to them. That's exactly so we how to
1: talk. You know how to talk to them in their language. That's the important part. Too many sales folks are going in with, with acronyms and this is how we talk inside. And instead of going, I've done some research and I don't claim to be the smartest in your role, but I don't think I'm the dumbest. So help me understand. When you say this, what does that mean? And here's why. I think personally that the three most important words on the planet besides I love you are I don't know. There's an enormous amount of credibility in that, but so, one's, so many people are afraid to say it because I'm supposed to be this me, I'm the subject matter expert. Um, no, you're not, not always, no one knows everything. So stop for a moment and say, I don't know, help me understand that. Can you unpack that for me? Can you peel the onion for me? And you know what that's gonna do? They're gonna endear you to that prospect. They're gonna go, okay, they want to help me. They're not trying to sell something to me.
0: Yep, uh, that that's really good advice. I don't know it's very powerful because the smartest people, I say this all the time, they know enough to know what they know and know what they don't know. That Absolutely. is a fact. You know what they don't Facts. know. If you are denying what you don't know or you just assume or think it's something, that is incredibly unintelligent. That is a stupid practice. You should never do something like that. And I don't like using the word never either, but that is a never. You don't just- That's a never because
1: stuff. you know why? It's disrespectful to the buyer. It is. It is. You're, you're telling- It's you're, you're all telling about them. them but you're telling them that you know what you don't know. And my mom used to say something. It takes a lifetime to build credibility, a second to lose it, and you may never get it back.
0: That's right. And if a salesperson lies, it's not that big of a deal. The reason why for, for them, you know, personally or whatever, if they lie, the lie can be forgiven. That's not the problem, but it will never be forgotten. And you have now tainted the trust with that relationship. Now I don't believe Until the end me. of time. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Not now. I can't believe anything you say to me because I believed everything up until the point. And I'm that kind of guy. I trust you until you give me a reason not to. No one's ever guilty until proven innocent with me. But once that is broken, to your point, I may come back and go, all right, I forgive you. If it was an inadvertent lie and it wasn't something that was overt. If it was overt, I'm done with you.
0: Yeah, just straight up, straight up. I'm the same way. Um, I'm I'm the same way, too, is that I, I give everybody equal respect until you give me a reason not to. That's just okay. it. It's just the nature of things. Just treat others the way you'd like to be treated. If they treat you like crap, you disassociate them.
1: Golden rule still works, man.
0: New the, and improved, that's the one thing everybody should take with them because it's like everybody just forgot. You know, yeah. if you say, "Do you know the golden rule?" They say, "Oh, of course." Who's actually following that rule? What, like five percent of people ever? Uh, I'm pretty okay. sure. You know, and you wonder why sales has a bad name. Yeah. You just answered that question right there as to why. That's putting yourself in the buyer's feet so you can understand the buyer's journey. How would you buy the product? Oh, well, you know, we sell it this way because, you know, we get to this point and whatever. Okay. If you're on the other side and that's the process that was happening and you
1: had no idea what this product was, how would you feel about it? Probably not great. Bingo. Again, you're trying to sell based upon your sales process, your sales stages, your sales methodology, your sales motion never forget that buying is actually an emotional act. And here's here's something that sellers I find out over and over are leaving out. They find out all of the pains, they find out how this will help improve, but they always talk about it from an ROI perspective, right? I wanna flip this because we don't have enough acronyms. I wanna add another one, COI. What is the cost of inaction if you don't? I don't mean the cost of not buying, it's the cost of sitting still because there is no sitting still. Does your competitor move ahead of you? Are you seeing now as less innovative? Are you lost and fall behind and you can never move forward? You've got to think about these things. And something else all the time I see when I'm talking with sales folks or I'm listening to them is they ask every question under the sun related to the company. Stop and ask one simple question. Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, if you are to make this purchase that we're talking about now, what would it mean for you personally? Does it give you a bigger voice? Does it give you a bigger seat at the table? Will it get you a promotion? Will it move you into being viewed differently and put your name up in lights in the company? You ask that question, and now you're starting to help. You're not just selling.
0: You're helping them, not the company. You have to remember that people buy from people. And a company, I've said this all the time, people maketh the company.
1: Yep. That's the truth.
0: It, what is a company but a grouping of people that are working toward the same goal with an aligned vision? That's a common, common goal with an aligned vision. very a- at least. You know, there's yeah. just some, <laughs> scary.
1: A couple, uh, a couple other things tossing there, but yeah, at,
0: at a baseline, right, right? there's your company. And, 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 and a, uh, a common purpose, right? And so if you're asking these people, what is this going to do for you? Like you're saying, I like to say, well, what would this do for your effectiveness? how effective will this make you if you're using it i understand that your boss needs to uh, buy something you know you, you need to talk him into buying and everything like that i can help you with that we could talk about what that looks like i can help you plan and if you need me there i'm more than happy to help you with that so i can back you up and if they're not into it i will take all the blame you can you can put it on me it was this dummy's idea and it was a bad idea and i'm sorry for wasting your time and that was my fault wasting your time not not the person that you're trying to sell to that's your champion right there take care of your champion Always to make sure, sure. To make tuck and always make sure that they are shining and glowing. You want to polish them. And it's, it's that experience that you're giving them and making them feel important. That is all the yes. difference. And if, if an employee of a company starts acting as if you're taking care of them at that level, they will take care of you. Number one. And number two, by default, just subconsciously, it's going to give them the confidence that they need to talk to their boss in a way that's going to
1: inspire them. And they're going to actually start using your words for their boss, right? Never forget that rule number one as a salesperson is to make your champion look like an absolute rock star. That's That's your job. That is job number one. And so that means if you're feeding them with information to be fed to either the buying committee or to their leaders or leadership team, how much easier can you make it for them than to say, here's an easy way to explain this to the buyers, the buying committee. Now, when you're talking to your leader, don't say that. Say it this way because this is what will resonate with them. If you do that, now they're like, okay, you're not just selling to me. You're actually helping me. And you're helping me to message in position to make me look good, not just so I can put your logo up on a wall and you can talk in your next forecast meeting. We all know that the end goal is to close the sale. It's not about just closing a sale. It's not The closed sale is literally the beginning of a relationship.
0: It opens because at now, the close. That's it. The relationship it, opens at the close. Otherwise,
1: it's just a rapport. Otherwise, really it's, a converse, it's a series of conversations. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Once it closes, now you've got a relationship established. Because what you've said is there's mutual equability here. We trust each other. And now we're going to move forward together. Until then, you're just having conversations.
0: That's right. That's right. And I mean, you could befriend them and everything, but it's oh, not of really a relationship. I mean, you can have a personal relationship, but that's different from a business relationship.
1: Once that that DocuSign or that pin
0: consummates it, now you have a relationship. Right. I do want to get into as well with what you're talking about, you know, talking to the right person. I want to define because with the uh, nature of the work that I do, we found that, you know, people always go, I need to talk to the right person. Who's going to buy this now? I need to talk to the buyer. That. Is absolutely not fucking true at all. You need to be talking to the, the right person. Is the mm-hmm. person who is going to resonate with you, and it doesn't matter if they could buy or not, because the strongest thing you could do for somebody, and I tell salespeople this all the time, is inspire them. If you get and that somebody. emotional reaction, inspiration, and direction, and uh, the the feeling of of something come like you know that that. Uh, that feeling where you're about to explode of just like this is the thing to do and it's just the inspiration behind it is the most powerful thing that you can give to somebody and that's what they need because you know how much easier it is to have someone inside of the company sure they may be low on the totem pole but someone in the company selling to the person you want to sell to or would you rather sell to the person who are they going to trust their employee or some writer or guy you that's, that's you know uh, just blowing all this stuff out of their ass just like oh yeah this is the best thing this is what you need you know I'm the expert <laughs> yeah. what about their employee telling them the same story and then bringing them to you but the idea is that you do need to hook that conversation to happen if you if you do you have access to the calendar there's ways to get to that and everything that's but cool. if you have not put a, str- a like a strong and long enough lasting impression on that person it's not going to be
1: successful. I want to double click on what you just said because I want to make sure people really are hearing this. And that is, sales is focused on tying the emotion of change to the emotions and the person involved, right? So remember, 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 sales isn't always about giving the right answers, but more about asking the right questions that really starts in that disco and qual period and ask questions. That will literally get you the answers to help your prospect, not just move the sale forward.
0: And helping the prospect is often helping somebody that works there where they get some sort of result or value of it. And that's enough to get yourself into the conversation that you should be having is because you've already taken the time out of your day to help
1: somebody who works there to make your business better. Again, you said it, people buy from people. It hasn't changed. I don't care how much we've infused AI, ML, et cetera. Net-net, if I don't trust you, I won't engage you. If I don't engage you, I'm not going to buy from you.
0: That's the truth. People don't just randomly buy stuff, especially in the B2B space. B2C, it's a little bit different because they've created- B2B,
1: it's it's usually an emotional purchase. It's It's a relationship. I don't care even if you're a volume velocity sell there's a relationship that has to be established before I'm going to say yes and buy anything from you. Right, right. and not relationships. uh, There has to be a rapport built.
0: Right. There needs to be the rapport and then the relationship. If there's no rapport, then you need to think kindly of you. It's hard to build a relationship without a rapport. And um, part of, yeah, I, I was talking to Ian Moise about, uh, the whole difference between rapport and relationship. It was awesome because the rapport is what they think of you If, you're, if I were to walk up to you in the side of the street in ratty clothes and say hey Could I could I see your cell phone real quick? You're not gonna give it to me But if you're dressed well and you say excuse me You mind if I use your phone for a second because I don't my, mine's dead or it's uh, I don't have mine with me You're gonna hand that person the phone because that was a better rapport that first glance uh-huh. that okay. the assessment the the first second of assessment right there. And then, you know, the language that you used, it's okay, yeah, sure, I'll I'll work with this guy. Um, Instead of the rude and um, someone who may have been dressed dirty or whatever else. And sure, that's terrible, and it's judging a book by its cover, but that is actually a natural instinct. It's a natural instinct of human beings by psychology because humans, remember, we used to live in caves and we used to live like animals. So we naturally assess things in the first second. And if it looks dangerous, we run or we fight. It's the fight or flight. Fight or
1: flight, thing. Fight or flight. immediately. It's just and immediately you, you can
0: train yourself not to do that. But no matter what, you're always going to ha- have that judgment right off the bat because you are literally programmed to do it. It is a component of our
1: DNA. Yep. Literally. It's simple. as yeah, that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%.
0: Yeah, and uh, so I was talking to uh, Sean Storms too, and the reason sales organizations exist is because demand and value doesn't. Those are his words.
1: I'll add one on top of that one. Discounts exist and come into play in the absence of value.
0: Damn straight. When you discount the price, you should never leave with price. What is it? 78% of the time, if you try to use the price to drive the conversation, or drive the sale, it's going to work against you. And that leads to, if you're discounting the product or the service, like the price, then you're actually discounting the product or service. You're saying this product or service is not worth its full value. That's why I'm giving you less.
1: In the absence of value, we discount. It's as simple as that. How would you, so for the
0: listeners out there, how would you tie something into that of what would you do to be sure not to tie in the discount? And what would you say to your manager or your boss or the leadership that's like, we need to discount everything because that's how we're going to get sales. Like what is the ultimatum right there?
1: That's a great question. Fantastic question. That's for sure. I think, you know, at least from, for me personally, my response to my, to my manager, cause that's not a leader comment. My manager would be, Show me another way to do it then. So I don't have to resort to discounting. How can we show more value? Maybe it's, well, what we're getting in the company pitch from product marketing screams that we have to discount. The way that we're positioning this makes us have to discount. Or the things that are going on in the market competitively, we're not being taught how to handle that other than to discount.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, usually demand-based is that there's there's a low demand for the product and you're just trying to get it out there when really you have to create that demand. Why do they need this? Like, sure, it might, be commo- it might become commoditized, but what about it is different? And the differentiators are great, but you don't want to get all hung up on the non-tangibles because when you're talking about competition, that can also cause an issue too. It's like, well, what about you versus your competition? If you trash your competition, that is not good business also less credible it makes it so the person doesn't trust you as much it adds a gimmicky type of feel to it and when you are starting to talk shit about any type of competitor and you're saying no we're better in this way we're better in this way that is going to instill uh, a feeling of necessity to the person where it's like well I need this one instead which causes nervousness and stress anxiety it's this. It's a similar thing to when <clears throat> drug addict doesn't have a drug near them they still might be high they're not going through withdrawals if they don't have the drug or if it was taken away it's that sense of panic where they're going oh oh i i do need this but i really i really don't i don't really know and then it starts creating confusion and it creates chaos and fear and it leaves little fractals or fractions of of um you know uh, untrustworthiness, where it's like, yeah. why is this guy trying to sell me this hard? Why is he saying all this stuff? Like, am I doing the wrong thing? Like, I don't even know if this is right.
1: Yeah. And it also inadvertently creates the old FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt against you when you do that. The yes. way that I, I've always approached this with sales folks, AEs, SEs, BDRs, et cetera, is this. We all talk about key differentiation. We can talk about that till the cows come home. Generally, sales folks can talk about competitive advantage fairly well. Where they generally suck is talking about business value. And newsflash, that's all that matters to the prospect. So I've defined business value as this. So Mr. and Mrs. Prospect, we've got all these cool toys, bells, and whistles. But at the end of the day, we can help you do one of two things. Increase productivity and efficiency or decrease pain. Which one is more important to you right now?
0: That's true. Are they in a state of death or dying or are they in a state of growth because you're growing or you're dying so which state are they in state that you need to actually help them with
1: again tylenol vicodin or extraction amputation they're really only three ways to solve problems
0: right right and they will tell you too. um tell people all the time listen they will tell you what their pain is They'll tell you you don't have to try to pry for it. The more you actually have casual conversation, you just get along with somebody genuinely. You be yourself. I can't stand people who are too professional in meetings. Don't act like a professional because no one is that way in real life. No one. I don't know a single person who is a professional. You know that's insanity. Like you're a sociopath. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And that is just be yourself. Be if you're weird. If you're funny. If you like telling jokes. If you're kind of quirky. Let it ride just Be let it you
1: because it's going to show up eventually and they're going to wonder who is this person because that's not who i agree to this with now it's like you're dating and suddenly they say yes you get married and then you flip the script and you, you take off your wig and your eyelashes and all the other things and you look like a totally different person the same thing happens in sales and again that's another reason why our wonderful profession and i say that seriously not sarcastically or facetiously because i love sales the profession I just don't love the way that it's being taught out there.
0: Yeah, and it's based off of training. This is a process. It's not a process. It's an experience, just like you're saying. The sales process, I don't even like it called a process. The process is, okay, you need to log this data. We need to touch these points. We need to hit these numbers. We need to uh, talk to these people. That's the process. The process is a structure. I prefer to call it a structure rather than a process because it's not a process you're following. It's a process that you're living in. It's a structure you're living inside of. If and it leave, should happen
1: behind should. your curtains. They shouldn't right. be aware of it. Right. Not at all.
0: Yeah. It should right. be natural ebbs and flows. And the more natural and organic things are, the more comfortable people feel. Absolutely agree.
1: hundred percent. And that, that's exactly why I, I wrote my upcoming book, Sales Enablement 3.0, is because, you now for sales enablement folks, the best thing that could happen was COVID. And, and let me explain. I don't okay. mean the negative deaths and those things. What I mean is it got us to right get wrong. comfortable with being uncomfortable. We had done things the same way in the last 20 plus years. Yeah, technology advanced. We were stuck in some kind of suspended animation doing things the very same way. Now it's forced us to get out of our comfort zone. It's forced us to go back and actually meet with, and I don't call them stakeholders, our internal customers to find out what matters to them and how we can help them differently now in this um, remote environment. Than before. You can't sit across from someone right now. And more importantly, we're inviting people into our homes during these meetings. So now you have to show the real you. You've got to be genuine. You've got to be authentic. You've got to have conversations. And you know what? A lot of people can't do that because they're so stuck on, like you said, trying to be professional. And you're finding out now that you're not really a helper. You're a seller when it was easier, sales is never easy, don't get me wrong. When it was easier. But now that you actually have to pivot and adjust, you can't do it. Yeah. And that feels the same for sales enablement practitioners too. There are a lot of theorists that got away with doing things that now all of that is stripped away. You find out they're not a sales enablement practitioner. They're actually an analyst. And there's nothing wrong with analysts, but call yourself that. Don't say that you're in, in the boat of being a practitioner when you're really an analyst. And if you are a practitioner, we're going to find out just how good you are right now. That's the truth.
0: And uh, I mean, you just gave me pretty much the entire reason why my business exists right there. there it is. It, it, the, the analysis of a business is far beyond human comprehension. That's why we brought artificial intelligence for it, because it's too much information to actually see it. And the things that look like they're the things you should be following are often not. It's, it's, it's a scapegoat. It's like, Oh, this is the problem. Well, no, you can't actually see the problem. It's these bunch of things connected that you had no idea even had any relation. And that's the thing is that this is making it more important than any time before. I mean, businesses are becoming data enabled right now. And if they haven't started already, it's it's pretty much too late in the sense where, where have you been? I don't mean it's too late. Of course, you could still do what you're doing. But where the hell have you been? You should have started this two years ago. You should have started this as soon as the cloud became a popular thing. Absolutely. I mean, where where do you keep your contacts? Oh, in a notebook. Okay. What if your house burned down? Where'd that notebook? What, who are your clients? Uh, I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. You lost that notebook on a plane? Gone. Okay. Do you have a backup? Absolutely not. Okay, so if you were to get fired from the company and the company had to continue going and you didn't want to be a complete asshole about it and take away the company's success and progress that you have brought them, that they've been paying you for, and who's going to get that notebook from you? Who's going to be able to pick up where you left off? Who's going to even understand the way that you log all that stuff? It's nearly impossible to pick up where someone left off, so it's harder to move forward. And if you lose any of that stuff, God forbid, what are you going to
1: do? We back up our phones. We back up our laptops for the same reason that we have automation in place, CRMs, etc. I'll call them sales enablement platforms. And when you don't have that, you're the old adage: you're not <clears throat> planning to fail, but by planning, by not, you know, you're, you fail to plan, you're going to plan to fail. And that's happening out there. We've got to stop that. There are better ways to do this. The whole "I've got to go and put in 72 hours a day." No, you don't. Work smarter, not harder. And and you know what? There there are ways to still be successful without burning yourself out.
0: It's true. If you're working hard, you're not doing it the right way. Because work's not hard. It's only hard if you make it hard for yourself. It's not. It's just And it's Agreed. just work when you don't have passion for it. If you don't have passion for it, why are you working on it? So if you're working hard and you're not passionate about it, you, every day of your life is the most miserable day. You can't stand waking up. You don't even want to go to work in the morning. You have a problem and you need to get out of there as fast as possible or figure yourself out because you're not in the right, you're not in the right line of business. If, if a sales, per- I, I love this, is that I've talked to salespeople and gotten them to open up more and they're just, you know, they're like, Oh, you know what? I hate people. You know, I don't want to like, I don't want to talk to these people or whatever. I just do the job. If you hate people, why are you <laughs> salespeople in the wrong? create a relationship with oh. someone that you hate? That's like going to your ex-wife or your ex-husband, And just going like, hey, we left on a really bad note. One of us got arrested. Um, Let's try to live together because that'll be fun. Let's work through this, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I just don't understand. What's the logic behind that? Okay. Um, I hate Excel spreadsheets, but I'm going to become an accountant.
1: Yeah, there's no logic to that. Might want to read the the, uh, job choice.
0: You're gonna be sitting in front of people as often as an accountant would be sitting in front of spreadsheets, that's a fact.
1: Oh, 100%, 100%. And I say it all the time that that there are literally five P's to sales and and to sales enablement, right? And people wanna talk about platforms, they wanna talk about programs, they wanna talk about performance, they wanna talk about um, purpose. But ultimately in sales and in sales enablement, the first P is people. That's yep. really what we do. We are here to make people bigger, faster, and stronger, and then in turn, we make companies bigger, faster, and stronger. That's right. It's all about the growth.
0: It's about the growth of the people. Because if the people don't grow and the people don't exceed expectations, then the company's not going to grow. It's the that simple. You, you can't the you can't just die. sit there and expect a company to grow. Oh, we got this great product. Um, everything's running smoothly. Let's just continue this. Let's just you know just sail the ship. And that 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 kind of reminds me of the whole thing that um, I hate the fear mongers out there that are like, oh, I'm reaching out because you're a small business and you know during this crisis we can help you do uh, your survival and make sure that you keep surviving. That's you so are literally telling people to go into survival mode, which is a constant slit state of slow death when you should be focusing on growth and innovation now more than ever before. They're giving these people the worst advice in the world, and they are sucking all of their resources out of their company as they slowly die because they know
1: it's profitable. Yeah, and, and it's disingenuous, and it, it is counterintuitive it's to sounds- everything that helping in sales is about.
0: Yeah. So if anybody, any, anybody listening, if any of those consultants that I think should have their license stripped, if they even have one, um, reach out and say, we're going to help you survive during this time of crisis. That person is not there to help you. Hang up. They're not there to help you delete the email, get rid of it. Don't accept the connection request. They don't need more connections. They need less. It's, I just wanted to get that across because you know, there there were two of them who reached out to me today and it was like, are you serious? Like, I want to give these people a piece of my mind, except I'm more civil than that. I just let it go, <laughs> and then I talk about it, but then I let it go. Um, but yeah, no, we're, we're, we're almost out of time here, but um, I mean, oh, we actually are out of time. But uh, Roderick, that was awesome. Thanks, I appreciate you being here. I had such a good time. This was so much fun. I mean, I could talk to you for hours. This is <laughs>
1: no, we, we could go on for hours, but I don't think people want to listen to us drone on for hours.
0: Uh, who knows? Some people might. Except we're not going to do that this time. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, this again, this is Down the Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm your host Rob Terry, co-founder, co-CEO at White Rabbit Intel. It's a sales enablement company with uh, artificial intelligence. A lot of fun. Um, I want Roger to have a second because he was going to be offering something, which is like the first time this has happened on the show. So.
1: <laughs> so, here's what I'd like to do for your listeners specifically. Um, I've got my book coming out, Sales Enablement 3.0. If you'd like to get the book, send me an email at inforoderickjefferson.com, R O D E R I C K, jefferson.com, just like the president. What I want you to do is tell me that you heard about the book on this podcast. And what I will then do is send you back a discount code that you can actually use for a, an incredible sales enablement course that um, I've got out on Udemy. So again, send me an email, info at roderickjefferson.com. I will send you, I'll put you on the uh, pre-sell list and I thank you now in advance. And I will also give back to you in the form of giving you $35 off of the best-selling course that I've got on Udemy.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I'm getting the book, <laughs> <laughs> not gonna lie, I'm getting the book, it's gonna be awesome. So thanks, I, I, I can't wait for that. But um, yeah, thanks again everybody. and um, yeah, follow this anywhere. It's literally on every single streaming platform from iHeartRadio to Apple Podcasts to even Deezer. I mean, who even listens to that? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, right. Uh, but uh, this is uh, Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast. So hashtag DTRH podcast and hashtag sales enablement as well as hashtag follow the white rabbit. Don't use that on Instagram. You'll get banned. Seriously. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Down the Rabbit Hole Podcast for new episodes weekly on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, and YouTube. If you'd like to apply to be featured on the podcast or recommend a featured guest, please feel free to email us at theteam at whiterabbitintel.com.